Welcome to Couples Book Club. The very first episode, the inaugural episode. Deb- debut. De- you don't like inaugural? Are we debutantes then? <laughs> a little bit. It's like a coming out party. A little bit. Oh, I wore my white dress. Oh, yeah. It has puffy sleeves. I'm not wearing bros basketball shorts and no bra. Uh, I dressed up for this. Classy, classy lady. Uh, Couples Book Club is the podcast where we, a couple, read uh, the same book and then talk about it like a book club. But there's just the two of us. Pretty much the smallest club possible. It's pretty, yeah. Yep. That's true. Um, You could have a club by yourself if you had, like, multiple personalities. Yeah. We're not dealing with that situation currently, though. I'm just saying hypothetically. That's No, I mean, I'm, I'm... You know, if more personalities appear, then we can talk about whether or not they are allowed on the podcast. Well, I would assume change. they're just allowed. Don't they get, like, grandfathered in unless well, you expel them? we might change, change the name to Couples Plus One. Well, what cast. if, the, like, <laughs> you, pay, you pair additional personalities, so they're just, like, layers of couple? Maybe. I don't know if my other personalities would like your other personalities, though. I mean, this is... I don't know, man. My name is Lauren. You just have to find out. By the way. And uh, over over there on the other side of the table is my husband. His name's Isaac. <laughs> you, inter- you can introduce yourself. Uh, you just introduced me, so okay. that's good enough. Mm-hmm. They know who I am. Everybody does. Um, well, we've picked a doozy of a book, I would say, for our very first podcast. And that is Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. Yes. Adolf, Adolf. Uh, Adolf. I like Adolf, just because it sounds Germany. But I, uh, neither of us speaks German, so we did read it in translation. You're vaguely Aryan, though, so, so uh, you have like inborn German a little bit. Oh, there's some German in my family. Okay. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I do. Uh, so Danish. They resisted the Nazis, so I'm just gonna go with that, even though my family didn't live there. Um. The version of Mein Kampf that we read is it was translated by Ralph Mannheim, uh, put out by Houghton Mifflin, um, originally in 1943. So, in case you want to follow along, so um, I don't know that we need to do an author introduction. I feel like people are pretty um, familiar with Re- reputation precedes with, him with his work. Some might say if you. Want to call it that? It's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty voluminous body of work. Yeah, um, he wrote this in 1924 when he was how old was he then? Not that old. 30s. Uh, he was born in 1889. So that's so 35. 35. Yeah, 34. Okay. 35. And he wrote it from prison, Landsberg am Lech Fortress. Prison. That sounds so badass. It's probably just like an old castle or something. Fortress prison. They put old Adi in fortress prison, and then he was like, I'm going to write a book. Um, and to be clear, um, Mein Kampf, uh, which is my struggle in Deutsch, uh, is separated into two volumes. We'll only be co- covering the first volume in this podcast because that's all I read. Um, and it was already long, so we're just, the first part is basically, um, it, well, volume one is subtitled 
a reckoning. So uh, I would say this is more of the, the comp part of it. And then the second part is about the National Socialist Movement that we will not be discussing. Yeah, that one's a little bit more like nuts and bolts from what I recall of it. Yes, Isaac did read part two, uh, and I did not. I think if, if I was going to teach anything, I would teach part two, or the war propaganda part was interesting. The propaganda stuff is interesting. I would teach that. Just say. Yeah, well, so basically what Mein Kampf is about, at least volume one, it gives kind of a history of his early life. So Adolf is like, I grew up in Austria. And then my parents died and I moved to Vienna. And then I saw politics things. And then... I had feelings about politics things. And then I had feelings. And then there was like war stuff. Which was sort of cool, but then not cool. And then not cool. And then he did more politics things. Yeah, that's pretty much the first that's, 370 yeah. pages or so. <laughs> first 370 pages of Mein Kampf right there for you. You don't even have to read it. Although I would say I would not personally recommend reading it. Hmm. I wouldn't say it's like a leisure read. I think it's no. it's, it's worthwhile to read for historical purposes. It felt like homework. I will say it is... It's an easy read. It's not super complex or dense. So when you sit down, you actually get through a lot of pages. Yeah, it's not like like theory shit. It's just like I didn't care about the things on the pages, so I didn't want to read them. Which is why it took me like over a month to get through it. You don't it. care about racial purity, apparently. <laughs> I know. Hey, I do want to make clear, maybe I should have said this before like almost seven minutes in here. Um, uh, if you're a white supremacist... And you tuned in because you're like, oh, good, people are reading my, my bro's book. This is not the podcast for you. We just thought it would be ridiculous. Isaac happened to own a copy for non-white supremacist reasons. No, I actually got it post, uh, post-Trump election for research purposes to see you know what was coming, essentially. <laughs> so, um, yes. So this is, this is a, more of a, um, a, an intellectual curiosity. And for comedy purposes, um, not because we are pro-Nazis. Yeah, no one, no one's sympathetic to the ideas contained therein. No, no. Um, because this is the first episode, we're not exactly how, how sure how this is going to go. Free, freestyling tonight. Yeah, free, we both have like some a, a bunch of notes, things we've marked that we thought were particularly interesting. Well, I have... Bad, hilarious... Um, from the offensive. actual thing, I have like three note cards worth of stuff. But he, yeah, he writes in the tiniest, tiniest handwriting, and he fills up fills up note cards. It's a sign of low self confidence. <laughs> Tiny handwriting. It is. I've heard that. Really? Yeah. When you have small handwriting. Oh, well, I'm gonna write everything really big from yep. now on because yep. I'm soups confident. I can tell. I don't. I don't take. Uh, I don't write notes at, while I'm reading, but I do use uh, little sticky markers in the book because like, mine is a library copy it's like book imperialism it's a just, little bit like that just put a flag in it and yep. it's yours i'm like Mark, this is mine fine. now adol Fuck you have you. to return it though i do i'll have to take them out like like parts of germany they had to return after world war ii oh, kind of. oh too snap. soon too soon um i don't know he, he we, wasn't alive to see it should we kind of go care. in order or should we just Get you mean like it. top to bottom, just like whatever hit you first, or? Yeah, I mean I've just set mine out 
by the chapter order here. I don't talk about everything. But yeah, mine's just in, mine's just in order of the page reference. So okay, well we can kind of do that, and then we'll just uh, we skip could, around. We should go back and forth a little bit with pick a pick a passage. We talk about a passage and pick then... a passage. Exactly. Uh, fun fact: Isaac and I are both academically trained, so. Um, if it's a plus or a minus in this case. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't put a value judgment on it. I was just. You <laughs> this know, felt like it was implied. Heads up. It's implied. Uh, we both studied um, American culture studies. I did not finish the PhD program. Wah, wah. Um, but that's just a fun fact for you know how we might be approaching some of these things. It just means overwrought. I think. Uh, thinking about it too hard. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, I guess the first thing that hits me is um, the translator's note, which I read. Um, and, um, excuse me, I'm just burping into the mic now. Uh, fun fact number two. Is that pretty shady in that first I'm line? Super classy. Is written in the style of a self-educated modern South German with a gift for oratory. That feels kind of backhanded to me. Oh, yeah. No, the um, uh, Mannheim, the translator, is... I would say a little bit sassy at times. He, you might say he throws shade. I don't know. We might take the shade court, but uh, yeah, I don't think we're big enough to get the shade court. No. Um, but he does talk about like where um, Hitler's kind of uh, where his style might come from, and various sources from like the German media and and from literature and shit. Um, I will say my favorite part here is on uh, uh, page Roman numeral 11. XI. Yeah. Um, most of Hitler's stylistic peculiarities represent no problem for the translator. The mixed metaphors are just as mixed in one language as in the other. A lapse of grammatical logic can occur in any language. In English language, language Hitler might be just as redundant as the German one. A half-educated writer without clear ideas generally feels that to say a thing only once is rather slight. Yeah, that's pretty bitchy. Yeah, it's pretty bitchy. So, you know you know where Mannheim's coming from, and I, I, I love a joke in a footnote, and I don't know if these are explicitly jokes, but they do feel shady, um, and that makes me very happy. Well, he's just trying to find some enjoyment in the larger translation process, which I guess is probably pretty painful. Yeah. yeah and really, yeah. like, time-consuming. Yeah, I think what one one thing that probably is to his advantage is that I don't think much of this language is especially nuanced. No, I would not. Just say some, so. I guess sometimes they're like which word matches up correctly, kind of things. Yeah. But other and, than that, and this is a reproduction of the very first edition, so he does make note of when um, further editions were made, um, like what things were changed. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say yeah. Translators note, awesome. Uh, so then he talks about being a child, growing up in Austria. I have one from pretty early on. Oh, that yeah. I was a fan of. Oh, this yeah. Is, uh, page five. This is, this is when he's, when he's first uh, getting his ideals together, as he describes it. Isaac just did dick quotes with his fingers. Um, I'll just read the entire sentence because it's amusing. Uh, all my playing about in the open, the long walk to school, and particularly my association with extremely husky boys. And husky, <laughs> husky is in quotes. <laughs> Uh, which sometimes caused my mother bitter anguish, made me the very opposite of a stay-at-home. Wait, so his mom didn't like him hanging out with fat kids? Husky, which, it, I don't know. To me, that's like 
stout. Maybe she thought he was like a twiggy and he'd get the crap beat out of him or something. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe she thinks he's into Husky Boys. Maybe. There are definitely some, uh, what I would call, uh, there's some homoerotic imagery later on. Which um, None of which translated into the actual Nazi party. No. Completely nope, un- homoerotic. At all. Um, he did. He did refer to himself as a little ringleader on the playground. Um, so he, you know, he's tracing back his oratorical skills to his childhood. He's leading so many rings. Um, his dad was in the civil service and had kind of like pulled himself up by his bootstraps, and he was really wanted Adolf to also be in the civil service. And then Adolf was like, "No, I'm an artist." Fuck you, Dad. Yep. Don't tell me what to do. Slam, slam the door to his room. Mm-hmm. Turn up some, like, I don't know. Some Wagner? Yeah. And the phonograph. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is that that ring cycle again? Turn it down. In German. That was his mom. Frau, the translation. Frau Hitler. Frau Hitler. I will say both his parents died. Um, I mean, in pretty par- short, parents usually do, eventually. In pretty short succession. Although he wasn't very old at the time. He was a young man. Is it um, and if, he, you, if you were Hitler's parents, wouldn't you die? Yes. 100%. There I would you die. Go. Um, it, he was like, I'm going to do art and be a fucking architect. But then his parents died and they like didn't have any money and... So he just like moved to Vienna and like looked at buildings. I just like and this was a, sad as poor. like that like that George Costanza life ambition. What? When he keeps when he keeps lying about being an architect. Oh yeah. Art Vandalay Vandalay Industries. <laughs> Isaac has an encyclopedic knowledge of Seinfeld. Oh, we were talking about before we recorded about the um, the section headings. And I wouldn't say they're actually section headings because Adolf like does not know how to divide up chapters or sections. Um, but the translator has put in um, little headings on the tops of pages so you can um, see just what other random shit that Adolf is random, rambling about now. Um, and uh, there's a section heading, ca- heading called Five Years of Misery. Like, Is that that's the, the process of reading the book? or It's a little, five years, that is a little bit what it felt like. Um, but on page 21, there's a translated note um, where uh, Hitler made a uh, an allusion to a Phaeacian city. <laughs> it's a pitchy note. <laughs> <laughs> and the note, um, the translator's note at the bottom says, The allusion to the happy isle of the Phaeacians is more popular in Germany than in English-speaking countries. Just explaining how he would know about it. Hitler's use of it does not mean... That he has read the Odyssey. <laughs> so, just clear. The translator does not want you to think that Hitler is actually well read. I read the Odyssey, but I don't remember anything about Phoenicians. Also, it was ninth grade. Didn't read it that well, apparently. It was like almost 20 years ago. So? Wow. I remember everything from 20 years ago. That's okay. Uh, that's a total lie. Is that why you always listen to so much 90s music? Uh, because it's amazing. It's the, gold, <laughs> the golden era of recorded sound, obviously. I don't know. What are some of your favorite parts of, about um, the, the years in Vienna? It's, an, it's a pretty long chapter. Uh, pages 29 and 30. 
This is in. Uh, I'll turn in, to it like we're in a grad seminar. In, in italics, so you know it's serious business. Mm. That's mm-hmm. one thing that's helpful. Is he he highlights like key stuff in italics. Right. Just to add that Don't little bit of emphasis to it. Yeah, let's, you can just, just skim, skim it. it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So bottom of twenty nine. Uh, social activity must never and on no account be directed towards philanthropic flimflam, flimflam, but rather toward the elimination of the basic deficiencies and the organization. Blah blah blah. I just like philanthropic flimflam. Flimflam is the to name say. of our uh, new band. That would actually be a decent uh, name for the podcast. Philanthropic <laughs> flimflam. I don't want. To, I don't want the name of the podcast to, to be, come from Minecraft. <laughs> to be a Minecraft reference. Whatever, dude. I already made the WordPress page. Okay, no, that's fine. that's fine. And the Gmail address. What do you want me to do? Go on those free sites and do it again? Heavens, heavens, now. Mm. So philanthropic flimflam stuck out for me. I enjoyed that. Um, page thirty-eight. So he doesn't know that much about Marxism yet. He hasn't been exposed to the evil of Marxism, which he mm-hmm. talks about at length elsewhere. Sure. But he says, uh, "Here again, it required the fist of fate to open my eyes to this unprecedented <laughs> betrayal of the peoples." So, so fate just punched him, and then he opened his eyes. Is that what he's saying? I assume so. Yeah. Mm. Fist of fate sounds possibly like a weird porno, also. Oh, that's a white supremacist like Nazi porno. porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a Nazi porn. Fist of fate. Oh, man. So we got that one. And then um, one of my personal favorites that I definitely wanted to get in here at some point. This is on uh, page 42. This is where he's talking about... Oh, I think he's talking about the social democratic press and how shitty it is. Mm. Um, As in the social democratic party. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he talks about uh, the brutal daily press, shunning no villainy, employing every means of slander, lying with a virtuosity that would bend iron beams, which to me is like a can it melt steel beams kind of thing. <laughs> so is he like a proto nine eleven truther possibly? Oh my god, he yes, yes he would be. Yeah, he I would be. That. I I actually marked that same passage, but. Uh, starting slightly before that, in which he discusses that um, uh, their party literature um, containing loathsome humanitarian <laughs> morality. Fuck that shit. That's some philanthropic flimflam if I ever saw some. Or I've seen some. Yeah, humanitarianism. Not interested. Um, I did a, later on that same page though was one of my favorite passages because it's one of the few in which he actually addresses the existence of women. Oh, yeah. This is a good one. <clears throat> so he's talking about the great masses of people um, and how they are quote like the woman whose psychic state is determined less by grounds of abstract reason than by an indefinable emotional longing for a force which will complement her nature. She's looking for that fist of fate. Oh, yeah. And who, consequently, would rather bow to a strong man than dominate a weekly, and then a lot more because all his sentences are run on sentences. He has a lot of of related thoughts that he wants to tie together. Although the translator did say that, like, in German, that's, like, a thing you can do more easily because of their case system. It's easier to, like, follow. Um... But, you know, just divide it up, man. I got kind of used to it. Yeah, only on occasion was I like, oh my god, it's so long. I mean, in this chapter, it's where he, like, was first exposed to a lot of political stuff. And he was basically working, like, manual labor jobs and shit. And so he was hanging out with the working classes. 
and he, with, with the worker but not of the worker sure sure um and he's talking about their um yeah again the the party literature which he thought was garbage but he kept reading it um there's a lot of great here great stuff here but um probably my favorite part was only our decadent metropolitan bohemians can feel at home in this maze of reasoning and call an inner experience from this dung heap of literary dadaism and then there's more crap but i just like literary dadaism i kind of liked uh earlier on he talks about uh newfangled uh pettifogging phraseology mm. as well mm-hmm. yeah he's got a lot of opinions about art and writing among other things yeah but i guess the big thing in this chapter is um his 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 struggle to become an anti-Semite, which he's right, dis- fighting against his better nature. Yeah, which he decided was necessary politically. He says where he grew up, the Jews he knew there were, um, they had, quote, become Europeanized and had taken on a human look. <laughs> That's page 52. And But when he lived in Vienna, he saw... Um, he started to realize that the Jews were, were a foreign race. But he blames the Jews for this social democratic movement, for any kind of Marxism, basically anything bad. Um, They're just trying to take advantage of the worker to their own ends. Right. Under, under the guise of helping the worker. Right. Or is he a champion of the people? Mm-hmm. Except when they unionize? So he says that deciding that he had to become an anti-Semite in order to, like, fulfill his political ends, um, he, on page 55, he says it cost him the greatest inner soul struggles, and only after months of battle between my reason and my sentiments did my reason begin to emerge victorious. Which is complete bullshit. Well, it's because he's he's, he, he's a man. He's logical, not all like emotional right. and flighty like a woman. Right, right, and he he talks on the next page about being worried about doing injustice, but you know he needed to fight those you know sensations of like treating other humans as humans because um, you know the Jews. Makes sense. Um, page fifty-seven. He uses the K word. It rhymes with bike. I just marked it when he used racial slurs. It was only a couple times. but Yeah, it's just surprisingly few. I would have expected yeah. more, but yeah. he's toning it down a little here. I'm sure I'm sure in his uh, uh, speeches, which he often talks about how awesome they were, right. he would probably use slightly different language depending on the, the you know audience that he was mm-hmm. addressing. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, so uh, his comp here is... I mean, it's pretty clearly bullshit. I kind of like Inner Soul Struggle. That's what the title probably should have been. That's the name of his album, his emo <laughs> album from his Vienna period. No, he's doing all like, like soul standards. <laughs> oh, gross. He was probably a terrible singer. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that I mean, that's the big takeaway from his, his period in Vienna. Is his, his transformation into an anti-Semite transformation into right like that's clearly bullshit like he didn't struggle you know he didn't fuck you adolf he was just waiting for an appropriate channel for his pre-existing anti-semitism chapter three it's a general political considerations based on my vienna period 
This was not very interesting. I got a couple of good ones from this chapter. He talked so much about the Austrian parliament in this chapter. It was... Hates parliamentarianism. Not interesting. Though he does have a certain amount of admiration for the British parliament. Well, yeah, he liked the, the like, questioning the prime minister thing. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty cool, honestly. I sort of like that. Being able to, like, verbally abuse the, the leader of your country. <laughs> it's an opportunity I think most of us would like. Adolf, um, he hates the Habsburgs. He hates the, the, the Austro-Hungarian Empire because it brought all these Slavic peoples in. Gross. Um, and he talks about Slavic languages in Parliament and how gross that is. Yeah. I wrote down at one point, uh, my note here says, democracy is garbage. <laughs> um, that's not an exact quote. Page 82, he says, um, the invention of democracy is most intimately related to a quality which in recent times has grown to be a real disgrace. To wit, the cowardice of a great part of our so-called leadership. What luck to be able to hide behind the skirts of a so-called majority in all decisions of any real importance. Oh yeah, so he's talking about like how <laughs> shitty it is to be a statesman because people are dumb. Uh <laughs> It's, uh, or will not the task of a leading statesman be seen, uh, not in the birth of a creative idea or plan as such, but rather in the art of making the brilliance of his projects intelligible to a herd of sheep and blockheads, uh, which is clearly like a sheeple statement. <laughs> See, because I think with that and then like the, the like iron beams thing or whatever before, yeah. he's revealed himself. Yeah. Yeah. My comp, my comp was an inside job, guys. Mm-hmm. Wait, did Bush do Mein Kampf? <laughs> Maybe. That would make sense. That would explain a lot of stuff, Yeah, it would. Honestly. It explains so much. Um, I will say, I do like on page 93, and he's talking about, like, the mix of cultures. And, um, uh, mix is problematic. Yeah. Automatically. Yeah, obviously. Um, he talks about... Uh, uh, purely German towns indirectly through government officialdom were slowly but steadily pushed into the mixed language danger zones. Some logins up in here. Oh, where he's talking about uh, how there are all kinds of different people in Vienna and how that's gross. Yeah. Um, he says, I was repelled by the conglomeration of races which the capital showed me, repelled by this whole mixture of Czechs, Poles, Hungarians, Ruthenians, Serbs, and Croats, and everywhere... The eternal mushroom of humanity. Jews and more Jews. I just like the eternal mushroom of humanity. <laughs> so they're just like growing in, in like a dark, moist closet uh -oh, somewhere wow. and then they come out occasionally. Yeah. His metaphors are evocative, I'll I say. I think the eternal mushroom of humanity would be a really good like jam band album title. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I, I think it would, but I could be wrong. Chapter four is the, his Munich period. He moved him to Munich. Um, and this is the chapter where he starts talking about, um, like, um, shit, what's the thing when you want the genes to be pure? Like eugenics? Yeah, or? eugenics. Okay. That's the thing. Yeah. He doesn't use that word. Um, but he ends up talking about, like, procreation and how, like, if you don't procreate enough, um, then, like, the people you do have alive are meaningful, even if they're weak and crappy. 
And then he just talks about, and he talks about like propaganda and, and what ideals are best for motivating soldiers. Well, this is all the like natural selection is awesome discussion, right? Yeah, I think so. I just thought when we were, when we were saying that, I saw the quote, uh, <clears throat> well, nature by making procreation free yet submitting survival to a hard trial chooses from an excess number of individuals the best as worthy of living. So just like thinning out the herd. So you get the, the best, best of the herd. So where he starts to get into the uh, the Lebensraum idea. Oh, yeah. How Germans are all like cramped up in mm-hmm. Germany and they need to like spread their... They're so good at procreating arms, that they don't know how to feed them whatever all. They, whatever they spread. They just need to take um, farmland from others. And... Oh, yeah, so he's thinking... Talks about Cameroon for some reason. I don't really know oh, yeah. why he I talks about Cameroon. Oh, yeah, I think I marked the same passage down here, uh, actually. But my, my, my part is that next sentence. We must, therefore, coolly and objectively adopt adopt the standpoint that it certainly cannot be the intention of heaven to give one people 50 times as much land and soil in this world as another. I, f- I feel like, I don't know, what, second-guessing God, probably not a great mm-hmm. move initially. I mean, he has his own sort of, like, messiah complex, obviously, so that might be part of it, but I, I don't, are there countries that are, like, 50 times bigger than Germany? I guess me, me, like Russia. Maybe. Well, and then that time, like huge expanses of, of like Africa were probably just like, this giant chunk is France. Or a France colony. A yeah. French colony, some might say. <laughs> I like France colony better. <laughs> this is all France land. Uh, this, is a, this is just France over here. He's definitely into like Old Testament God, I would think. Oh, yeah. Not like, not any of that like... Glad handy Jesus bullshit. Jesus. No mm, bullshit. He's not into that. Nope. Forget about it. Harsh, unforgiving God. <laughs> Chapter five is called the World War, and he refers to himself as a young scamp. First sentence. Um, it's like being pretty scampy. He talks about how, like, growing up, like he wished he could have been like a true hero, but that not he couldn't be anymore. I have that one marked. It's at the bottom of one fifty-seven. Oh, I have um, the part right here in the first paragraph where he was saying, like, for his generation, it seemed like um, uh, the future really seemed to belong only to the peaceful contest of nations. In other words, a cozy mutual swindling match with the exclusion of violent methods of defense. Classic, classic swindle off. Boring. Yeah, mine mine, mine is that next, that little baby paragraph at the bottom of the page. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, why couldn't I have been born a hundred years earlier, say, at the time of the Wars of Liberation, <laughs> when a man, even without a business, was really worth something? Question mark, exclamation point. Double punctuation. Wow, you went with the interrobang. Yeah. <laughs> he means it. No, I know, I know. Is that what it's called? I, I, that sounds right. I think it is. I've heard it called that. I've heard tell of this, of this punctuation. I, I enjoyed that passage. Uh, that's the only one. That's the only one I have in that chapter. Well, and then chapter six, he really gets into it. This one's entitled "War Propaganda." See, that this would be something I would teach. I think mm. propaganda stuff is interesting, just in general. One eighty-three. This is another one of his um, fun treatment of women things. Uh, I believe I have this passage passage marked also. Oh yeah. Uh, the people in their overwhelming majority are so feminine by nature and attitude 
that sober reasoning determines their thoughts and actions far less than emotion and feeling. So, I feel offended by that as a woman because are, of all my feelings. Are you emotional about it? I'm incredibly emotional. I, on the other hand, am reasoning in a sober fashion. Yep. But all the dudes. people in their overwhelming majority, it, to be fair, people in general don't, aren't really like, you know, don't think about facts and reasoning and logic. It's, it's, like, it's like drunken reasoning? Yeah. So people in general are drunk, is what he should have said, but instead he was sexist. It's Germany, right? Isn't that... I don't think they even have water there. Don't they just drink beer? I just assume. Sausage, the, the sausage water? Sausage water. <laughs> beer and sausage water. <laughs> um, Makes sense. I did like on page 182, um, he's talking about how shitty the German propaganda was during World War I. Um, because it just like wasn't harsh enough um, about their their enemies and I like this paragraph. What, for example, would we say about a poster that was supposed to advertise a new soap and that described other soaps as quote good? We would probably say that's it's not a very good ad. You're right, Adolf. Should be what like fuck other soaps by this one. <laughs> fuck your soap. I, I would probably go for that ad campaign. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. straightforward, plain spoken. Into into that. Um, I've got another one on 190. Okay. Which is a, per, a personal favorite of, of many. It's, it's difficult to find the best ones. Sure. Um, this is where he's starting to work at a... Well, he's been working it prior to this, but the whole, like, stab in the back myth. He talked to you about that before. That That's, like, the logic of why the Germans lost World War One. Is that like if they just let the troops do what they were gonna do, they would have been fine. Okay. But there were like stupid people at home. Oh, the, Jews, parla- the women, the parliamentarians. Yeah, just undermining their effort, and that's why they lost. Sure. Uh, but he's talking about um, wives writing letters to their husbands. Uh, and so he says, uh, just as before, the front was flooded with this poison dished up by thoughtless women at home, who, of course, did not suspect that this was the way to raise the enemy's confidence in victory to the highest pitch. So basically saying, you know... Women lost the war. Bitches. Bitches be losing the war. Seriously? That's because they're all, like, emotional and... Fucking shrews. Shit. Need to be coldly rational to to shoot other people. What are they, on their period? Probably. Basically, he just says that propaganda must be aimed at the popular masses. You you have to dumb it down. You can't can't have, like, hipster propaganda or, like, highfalutin Overly intellectual, because those aren't the people that you're trying to convince. You've got to make it... For the, for the masses, the feminine Preach. masses. And then he also referred to, I think, some of the German propaganda during the war as, quote, pacifistic bilge on 184. Bilge is good. Any, anytime you get bilge in there. Mm-hmm. First of all, this is under the section heading slackers, which just makes me very happy <laughs> in and of itself. Um, but this is when he's talking about how, uh, how much Jews suck. This is after he's in the hospital. Uh, when he, like had like basically hysterical blindness and wasn't actually blinded yes yeah he wasn't actually blinded by the um mustard gas he was blinded by the lies of the social democratic press uh but he's talking about jews like he does um and so he's talking about how, how thoroughly entrenched they are in economic life and so he says uh here the jewish people had become really 
indispensable. Uh, the spider was slowly beginning to suck the blood out of the people's <laughs> pores. Gross. So like, just I guess do spiders suck blood. I, I guess they eat something. Maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe some of them do. I thought that they just bite you because. Well, it's like it's defense, a, yeah, defensive, defensive biting. Thing. I don't know. I just like the idea of a little like. Vampire, like spider with a yamaka or something. <laughs> that sounds adorable. Right, right. A little juice spider. How could you get mad at that? Is my uh-huh. thinking. But this guy, this guy's on his own thing. So. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a problem. Uh, oh, and now the like weird um, VD thing, like syphilis thing that he's obsessed with. Mm. He's using it metaphor. Well, not metaphorically in this case. It says uh, by way of a so-called gonorrhea hospital. Uh, the three Orientals, again problematic, uh, had been he sent means back Jews, right? home from their second line base. Now they raise the red rag in the homeland. Raising the red rag is also a great phrase, <laughs> I think, but just commies, other stuff. But there, there was a lot happening there. Gonorrhea Hospital, yep. Orientals, yep. red rag. Yep. So there's a lot. It's a trifecta of. There's a lot to unpack, and we're not going to do it. Stuff? No, I don't have time to unpack. No. It's a quick it, trip. Keep it in your suitcase. <laughs> exactly. Don't put that shit in the drawers. What are you doing? Fuck it. It's a weekend trip. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything for a couple chapters after this, then. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't have anything until, like, In chapter 7, he does use the N-word on page 188. Um, I had one earlier where he uh, referred to Negroes, but I think that's vaguely period-appropriate, at least. Yeah, I think it was. That wouldn't be surprising. He's still in the army, but he's back in Munich, and he's starting to get involved in, like, politics stuff. And he goes to some talk where there's all this shit about Prussia versus Bavaria, and he's Bavarian, and blah, blah, and who cares? Um, but some guy says some shit he doesn't agree with, so he gives up and gives him a verbal smack in the face and, um, quote, with the result that the previous speaker, even before I was finished, left the hall like a wet poodle. <laughs> a boom! Mic drop. Guy just got I, hit. Just, I just thought it was a funny image. That guy just got Hitler. <laughs> Basically, he's talking about Germany losing the war. Um, uh, but, okay. He's saying the foe did not consist of cowards either. He, too, knew how to die. His number from the first day was greater than that of the German army, for he could draw on the technical armament and the arsenals of the whole world. Hence the German victories, won for four years against the whole world, must regardless of all heroic courage and blah, blah, blah. Basically, he's like, yeah, well, we beat the whole world for four years. It was just like, you know, in the you know, fourth quarter, we fifth quarter, we lost it there. Just fumbled, fumbled right at the end. Yep. Lost mm-hmm. it in overtime. Yep. They, they lost a, they lost a 3-1 lead sports sports metaphors yeah yeah he talks a lot about uh, Jews and how they caused the collapse sure stab in the back yep Jew knife uh, he emphasizes they're not actually a religious community they're a race um, basically he says they run the press and calls them both crafty and sly on page 243 which I mean is not that you creative you know if you're gonna talk shit about the Jews like come up with some better synonyms there's a translator's note on 245 so i've still got something on 241 but we can do the translator note first okay. and come back. well basically hitler tries to use um a yiddish word 
And um, it doesn't even matter what it is. But uh, uh, Mannheim put it in, like, as the word. And then in the footnote, it says Yiddish, meaning arbitrary decrees. What Hitler thinks it means is not clear. That was a quote. That was a quote. Yeah, if that's what it means, he is not using it correctly. I am shocked that Hitler could not use Yiddish terms correctly. You think he'd be he'd be fluent in Yiddish? Yeah. He's not just He's not. disappointing to me. Yep. I figure he'd at least like Trojan horse that thing and get in there. No, no, that's that is the mixed language danger zone, bro. Friends close, enemies closer, etc. <laughs> not doing it. Okay, okay, so two two forty one. Okay. Uh, oh, this is about people who people who are uncritical readers. They just like swallow whatever is sort of left to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says to them also belongs the type of lazy bones who could perfectly well think, but from sheer mental laziness seizes gratefully on everything that someone else has thought. So just like that. Also, lazy bones. Lazy Bones is the name of our uh, our our stuffed sloth. This is actually a fairly informative section heading in that it's just, it's just three groups of newspaper readers, which is exactly what he talks about in that section. Mm-hmm. So that that one's fairly transparent. Versus... Oh, the, the kind the, the three are those who believe everything they read, the those who have ceased to believe anything, and then third, uh, into the minds which critically examine what they read and judge accordingly. So. I mean, I guess that's... I don't know what I would be. Cease to believe in everything, anything, maybe? A mix of two mix and three. A mix of two and three, I think, yeah. yeah. I think that's how I describe myself. I believe nothing, unless I want to. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I've got that one. I've got 247. That's my next one. Okay. Under the section heading syphilis. Oh, man. Hitler has so many syphilis feelings. So, like, he had syphilis multiple times. Yeah, yes. no, he had syphilis hard, I bet. I feel like there have been things about that that, like, potentially he had some, like, ongoing damage from syphilis that may have uh, explained some Is of that his... One? That's the one that, yeah, attacks your brain, Mental actually. things, yeah. I feel like I read something about that at some point, but... <laughs> I read it in a book. I don't have it. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's it's an, an, an unattributed quote or idea. That I'm plagiarizing for summer. Anyway. It's okay. I gave it to uh, you. So talking about syphilis and how this is like a thing and he's concerned about it because it's like ruining the people. Uh, he says, the cause lies primarily in our prostitution of love, which is, is a fun phrase in and of itself. Um, on 251, he talks about how um, to avoid the civilization of the people, they should encourage early marriage. It's important, especially for the man. Quote, as the woman, in any case, is only the passive part. It's true. It's true. Can you imagine how bad sex with Hitler was? So bad. Well, there was that thing, again, this is based on loose memory of some History Channel thing, where he was, like, obsessed with some, like, young... Well, he had, like, a cousin or a niece or or a niece, yeah. Yeah, that he was, like, like, super into, uh, which was distressing. Creepy. Yeah, she, like, lived with him for a while. I should read. I feel like there there have to be like single books about Ava. He Braun. probably only fucked really young women because they wouldn't know how bad he was at sex. I, I mean, think. let's be honest. I bet a prostitute laughed at him once and gave him syphilis. <laughs> With her laughter, Jew, Jewish prostitute had just ruined him forever. <laughs> With her laughter, he couldn't get it up. That's why she was laughing. 
That's my that's my theory about Hitler. Feel free to use that, but you must cite your sources. Let's see that. Uh, Chestnut, that like 2017. Some, some male fantasy shit. Oh yeah, Klaus Klaus Tableite. Okay, knows what he's talking about. Uh, so that's fifty. Okay, the other thing else after. Uh, Two fifty three. He starts talking about how um, instead of going out and getting all civilized, um, uh, young men remain, remain completely uncivilized. <laughs> uh, young men should uh, it, participate in sports. Um, the youth who achieves the hardness of iron by sports and gymnastics succumbs to the need <laughs> of sexual satisfaction less than the stay-at-home fed exclusively on intellectual fare. So. Mm. Hardness of iron. I think he just gave this like to Lenny Riefenstahl as like just, <laughs> just like his his like storyboard for mm-hmm. Olympia is just mm-hmm. that. So like, can you show us some hot people? So hard. Exactly. This is. I think this is with the larger concern about uh, like syphilis and like sexual whatever. Um, not entirely linked to the section heading sterilization of incurables. <laughs> Which is also oh. fun and sort of proto eugenic, but right. um, oh, he's talking about uh, yeah, the, it's it's a very like sexualized environment, and the quote is uh, our whole public life today is like a hot house for sexual ideas and stimulations. I also had that marked because it reminded me of uh, church like youth lessons when I was a hashtag Mormon teen. Well, I was just thinking of it in terms of like. Sexual greenhouse, where you're like growing stuff in the winter. It's a sexual greenhouse. Exactly, which is like I don't know, like green green thumb porn. <laughs> Someone's into that shit. Oh yeah. Just wearing like the like using like the little like gardener's knee pad thing. Oh oh yeah, protect your knees. Down and dirty. Yeah, he talks later more about soft bodies being turned by the military into quote hard as steel. So he's into that shit. You think he had a um, a metal dildo? You think Hitler a wrote strap a strap on a metal strap on? You think Hitler wrote erotica? Oh my God! Yes, he did. <laughs> that would be amazing. It's <laughs> like my dad wrote my a dad porno. My dad wrote my wrote a porno. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Historians find Hitler's porn. There's got to be something in like find it in in his papers somewhere. I feel, <laughs> I feel like he left voluminous papers somewhere. Yeah. Uh, chapter 11, Nation and Race. This is, he's really getting going here. There. Yeah, this is where he starts to hit his stride. Um, Ideologically. He, he talks about how um, uh, different races shouldn't be kind to each other. Um, because in nature, um, you will never find a fox who in his inner attitude might, for example, show humanitarian tendencies toward geese. You don't know what foxes are into. Yeah, well, he should watch that uh, Unlikely Animal Friends show. Exactly. Fox Has and he never been on the internet? Hanging out all There's the time. There's a fox and a goose who are bros somewhere in this world, and they will make me tear up when I find them. Yeah, that seems about right. He claims on a few a few times in this chapter that all great cultures died out from blood poisoning. Which like is, infections? Or? <laughs> no, he means like he means like being poisoned by lower races, like mix, race mixing. That penicillin by then? Clear some of that up? Listen. I mean, really, it's what pen- he says. Penicillin was like post World War One antibiotic or anti. You tell me, science man. I think so. I think it's after World War One because that was right. part of the reason the death toll was as high as it was. They didn't yeah. have like uh, like sterile environments. They couldn't cleanse wounds in that way. 
I just like that he says that's the only reason. He even at one point says it's not even wars. Like, dude, like, uh, we like lots of groups uh were conquered. Well, I guess that might there might be race mixing, but like um, uh, like the Maya, they ran out of water. Uh, the people on uh, Rapa Nui, Easter Island, that was like a, a human-caused ecological disaster. They ran out of supplies. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that cultures can die out, but um, Hitler is not, this whole section, there's not a lot of, um, he doesn't cite sources, there's no, um, he, try, he, he gives this huge scope of like a historical, his historical view about how races and nations work, but he doesn't give you any examples or points need to examples. particular take man, history. Take the man at his word. I mean, it feels right. He's a strong leader. You're supposed to you're supposed to be into strong leaders. As a woman? It's your thing. I don't know, I was thinking about weaklings. You'd rather be dominated by a strong man. I don't know. I've met you. <laughs> I mean you I'm are not, a strong, a strong man. man. You're a strong man, yep. definitely. Yeah, it's ripped. You are the I would say you are the dominant personality in this relationship. Yeah. Obviously. 100%. Yep. Physically? Nice. Emotionally? <laughs> Spiritually, <laughs> etc. Yeah, it's one of my favorite of random asides, where he talks about how the Jews, um, they just learn whatever language um, of the place that they're living in, but they're still Jews, and how their goal is to take over and to make everybody learn one universal language, Esperanto, Esperanto. <laughs> for instance. Exclamation point! Guys, did you know that Esperanto is a Jewish conspiracy? I have no idea, and it makes me want to learn it more. Esperanto. Didn't they make an es- a movie in Esperanto in like the '60s? That sounds possible. Yeah, I gotta look that up and watch it. Yeah, that sounds like a, yeah. a worthy. If for no other reason than knowing that Hitler would hate what I was doing. I, I do. I do live large portions of my life just to spite Hitler. What, what would Hitler do? The end is not only the end of the freedom of the peoples oppressed by the Jew, but also the end of this parasite upon the nations. After the death of his victim, the vampire sooner or later dies too. Which is not yeah, accurate. That is not most... accurate in any vampire mythology. I mean, the vampire may die, but not just like by itself. No. There has to be some sort of outside no, he has force. To be yeah. He doesn't just die because it's time or it's his turn. Yeah. I feel like ghost. There, it has to be a hor- like a horrific uh, sunlight accident. I just feel like Ghost Hitler probably read Twilight and was like really confused. <laughs> For a number of reasons. Well, but, a lot of reasons, yeah. yeah. Chapter 12. Then he gets the first period of the development of the National Socialist German Workers' Party. And um, on 356, he's talking about some of the other guys who were um, the head of this party before he was. And just the things they lacked. But... Um, For this only beings were fitted in whom spirit and body had acquired those military virtues which can perhaps best be described as follows. Swift as greyhounds, tough as leather, and hard as crook steel. Again, the metallic. The hardness. Also, tough as leather, he was clearly like a leather daddy or was... patronized the services of a leather daddy more likely. Those those Nazi like leather dusters. It was like SS jackets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Part of that part of that fascist aesthetic, man. He did say that they chose the color red, 
366. Just to fuck with the communists. Just to fuck with the communists. Yeah. Which is great. Which I like it, that. it does amuse me. I like that I mean, a lot. Come on, if you're gonna do it, do it out of spite, I guess. Probably he knew they were gonna like try to mess with them anyways. It's like, all right, whatever. Just poke the poke the bear. In this chapter, he just it's all about how he was good at speeches and like gives you the exact number of how many people came to his speeches and how it increased every time. There's a good uh, 352. There are a couple sentences I enjoy where he's talking about uh, like you know you're doing something right when the Jews hate you. Mm. Uh, and so it's every Jewish slander and every Jewish lie is a scar of honor on the body of our warriors. <laughs> The man they have most reviled stands closest to us, and the man they hate worst is our best friend. Mm. That's actually that's fairly well written. Yeah. For him. Yeah. And concise. Those are both one sentence paragraphs. Yeah. So. No, I, I mean it paints a picture. A rare, a rare moment of clarity. Oh, this is the my my, my note in my on my index card is fuck silence. Okay. I think I told you about this one before. This is uh, a man who knows a thing, who is aware of a given danger, and sees the possibility of a remedy with his own eyes has the duty and obligation by God not to work silently, but to stand up before the whole public uh, against the evil and for its cure. Mm. So it's not, it's not good for... Uh, it doesn't like people holding back. And then he says, if he does not do so, he is a disloyal, miserable weakling who fails either from cowardice or from laziness and inability. So harsh words. Man of action. It's, <laughs> it's Adolf. Well, technically he was a man of words. But. Well... Words, words as a form of action. Words to spur action. Yeah, his other people do the action. Yeah, he supervises. They the organized action. a lot of speaking halls of increasing size. So many halls. <laughs> he talks a lot about the halls and yeah, how, how. Hey, big this they were. this is a big one. Can we fill it? And then they totally filled it. And they totally filled it. They filled it, it so hard. And only once they were disappointed. And they're like, "Hey, we can only have a meeting like once a month." And he's like, "No, fuck that. We're having a meeting once a week." <laughs> and it still works because he's awesome, and yeah. amazing, and. You know, a light Didn't unto even us go all. fortnightly. Went Did straight it? for the weekly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, yeah. We had a lot of notes on that one. Um, this is a long book, and that's just volume one. But thank your lucky stars we're not going to discuss volume two. Uh-huh. I just like that, that kind of what they're offering politically is, like, not that different from communism, but he fucking hates them. It's like them. communism light. Essentially, because Marxism is, is Jewish. De Jewified communism. Yeah. Probably more Did than. Do you want to do a Dr. Isaac's corner? Do you have any special thoughts about how you would teach it? I guess mean, you mentioned you might teach that. Yeah, when I taught that rhetoric class, it had a revolutionary rhetoric thing. I think parts of this could work for that. I think it would be more the second book stuff where it's talking about the party and sort of like the rise of the party and mm-hmm. what, the, what the ideas are. More the philosophy. But yeah, the propaganda stuff I think is especially kind of interesting. And I think it's informative about like how we would later use it. Um, well, and there's a there's a I don't know. It's all, it's always sort of interesting to see those like beginning of the revolutionary narrative things, the sort of like Hitler bootstrapping it kind of like yeah. oh my parents are dead and I suck at art but like. I'm still going to be awesome. But I was so depressed when I lived in Vienna. Yep. There were so many beautiful buildings, but also Jews. He, Czechs. I will say it's it was substantially less overtly offensive than I expected it to be. That's true. I think by reputation That's I expected true. it to be way worse. Like, obviously it was really anti-Semitic and there are, you know, hundreds of problematic things in it, but it was just very, it was less like in my face than I expected it to be. Yeah. Which is not, like, disappointing. It was just sort of like, hmm, that's a little bit surprising. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just kind of, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop, and then like if you, it never really did. If you were, like, a, 
like a, like a Reddit white supremacist, you probably think it was boring because there's not enough racism. In well, it. I feel like this this is this is the thing that drums like half committed converts out of white supremacist organizations. Yeah. Like, oh, dude, you got to read my conf. And someone gets like 100 pages into it and it's like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. There's got to be more. It would drive me out if that was an assigned rating. Yeah. Although I think you could read, I don't know, if you read like excerpts from Mein Kampf. I said this before, that if you trimmed it down to like 200 pages. Both it, volumes or just the first? Just the entirety of it. Yeah. 200 pages. I think it would be pretty compelling. Yeah. Not in terms of like yeah, convincing, needed, like, but it would be it would be a good narrative. Several editors, but editors are probably all Jewish, so it's true. I was trying to I was trying to control control the words of They're the trying to circumcise the his, true German his words. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Mongrelizing his language, <laughs> Jewifying his. Yeah, it was more readable than I expected, um, but I still didn't want to read it. Like I was never like, oh, I'm gonna sit down and read. I was like, oh, I should get further in my Once I got into the second part, it was kind of like, okay. But I think that's just because I had a couple days where I read, like, I had time and I read, like, 100 pages and I just started yeah. rolling. So I kind of got into it. But, yeah, it's not, re- it's not really a, a page turner as No, such. it's not a fun one. It's not a fun one. But what we are going to read for our next show is going to be fun in a way. Um, if you would like to read along, our next book would will be E.L. E.L. James? I think it's, yeah. E.L. James's uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. You can easily pick up multiple copies at your local thrift store, um, as Isaac did for us. We've got them ready to go. Although the uh, the cashier, when I checked out, said it doesn't really get good until the second one. Well, so. I'm not reading a sequel. I don't you got to go with the orig. You may get into it. I find that difficult to believe. Um, just a couple things. If you want to contact us for some reason. Who doesn't? And let's pretend you're not somebody that we personally know. Like, like a friend a, or a family like member. A, a white supremacist who wants to like nitpick if our reading of this. If you're a white supremacist, don't email us. But if you have uh, comments, uh, questions, feedback, um, don't be mean. Re- requests slash suggestions yeah. for further books. Yes, slash, slash requ- I'm open to that. Re- those words? I don't think we've really thought much beyond book two, so... No, we have a, a kind of master list, but... Um, master yeah. list? It's like a master race? <laughs> <laughs> See, you, you absorbed it. Dolph Dolph's up in here now. Oh, shut up. Um, you can email us at couplesbookclubcast at gmail.com. Um, and uh, at some point, uh, this... We will have our blog website up and going, uh, couplesbookclub.blog. My Vienna years might be Fifty Shades of Grey, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Um, that's it, I guess. All right. That's it for us. Um, see you, hear you, hear us next time on uh, Couples Book Club.